Today, my guest is John Hertig, the Vice Chair and Associate Professor of Pharmacy Practice at Butler University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences. John has authored an article titled, A Continuous Observation Workflow Time Study to Assess Intravenous Push Waste, which was based on a study conducted on the waste of controlled substances. So that's the topic for today costs of the waste of controlled substances. Welcome, John. Thank you, Terry. Lovely to be here. Before we jump into the results of your study, tell us a little bit about you and your journey in the world of pharmacy. Yeah, I'd be happy to. So I, I currently am a faculty member at the Butler University College of Pharmacy and Health Sciences here in Indianapolis. Uh, but that, that journey never really meant to be academic in nature. I'm a, I'm a pharmacist by training, did some additional postgraduate education and training at Ohio State University Medical Center in Columbus, where I was training both clinically as well as administratively to be a health system leader. And uh, that's my continued area of passion, entrepreneurship, leadership, management, and, and then all things patient safety, which led me to my first uh, ma major career move, which was at Duke University Hospital in Durham, North Carolina, where I helped uh, the Department of Pharmacy there with their quality initiatives and really fell in love with patient safety as a, as a result. Both patient safety and quality are areas that I'm particularly passionate about and have carried through those those passions uh, in, in my career, uh, focusing in patient safety and how do we reduce risk? How do we prevent harm? Uh, one of the major areas of harm, unfortunately, in this country does involve controlled substances and sterile products. And so this combination is a particular area of interest. And I have both a research program that focuses in sterile products, education and compounding, um, as well as uh, some other fun activities that involve training, including uh, helping do a startup in software, a software startup where it's a virtual reality training program and sterile compounding safety. So I've been able to really uh, own this particular area and contribute it, uh, to it in a variety of different ways. Um, but with that knowledge and that multiple years of, of investigation in the space, I did realize that we have some gaps in research, which took me to the study I believe we're gonna be talking about today. Okay. All right. Perfect. So you've already given us a lot of background on what prompted this study. Is there anything else that prompted this specific topic in terms of studying the costs uh, associated with waste? Absolutely, there are. I mean, if we look at um, healthcare in general, we need to be better stewards of our resources. And to be better stewards of our resources in healthcare, we need to understand what are the holistic costs. You know, it's not just as simple as one line item. It, it's multiple costs that contribute to the delivery of care and a holistic understanding of those costs will help us then steward those resources more effectively. And also, you know, understanding the patient safety implications and not just the immediate costs in front of us, but what are the downstream effects of the decisions that we're making in healthcare and, and how do those then downstream effects contribute back to either safety or cost. And there was a consensus conference back in, I believe, 2018 uh, that took all these really smart people in sterile products compounding and put them in one room and said, how are we safely delivering intravenous therapy today? What, what have we learned over the course of, of many years in doing this? And what does the future look like? You know, let's bring a bunch of those really smart people in one room and develop some consensus statements. And out of that 2018-2019 consensus development conference on the safety of intravenous uh, compounding, 
uh, came a, a few statements. One of those was, you know, do we have a holistic understanding of all the costs that go into safe care? And like, no one said we do. And so that was a red flag to say, okay, we should probably figure that out. And one of the other consensus statements that came out of that conference, Terry, was that manufacturer prepared, prepared and, and ready to administer products and products that are in the most available and ready to deliver to a patient state are safest. And you had contributing members from ISMP and other places around the, the country and world that, that all agreed that they are the safest because they involve the least manipulation at the point of care. It's just literally plug and play. And that's going to hopefully lead to more safe and, and effective care delivery. So knowing that ready to administer manufacturer prepared products were consensusly determined to be safest and knowing that we don't have this really good idea of holistic costs associated with delivering care, I started to put these ideas together and say, okay, where are the gaps in the literature so that we can provide this information to decision makers, our, our chief pharmacy officers, our directors of pharmacy, our inventory control managers, our nurse leaders? How do we arm them with evidence-based information so that they're making the best choices, not only in product procurement, uh, but also in handling, compounding, and administration? Sure. Okay. All right. Yes. If we could just get the nurses to stop diluting the free right. package. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Another... It's funny you mentioned that. I, I smile like you do because we've done previous research where even nurses were using like Curpujex, you know, as little vials, not even using the actual oh, totally. holder, right? I mean, there's all these like variations and workarounds. I know. I know. I remember the first time I found, I'm like, huh? How do you do that? Oh, I just go through the back. Like, yeah, oh my really, God, you really just defeated. Miles, right? yeah. <laughs> you defeated the whole purpose. Yes. Okay. All right. So, tell us a little bit about your study and, and what your findings were. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Well, you know, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of my research team. I was the principal investigator, but it really does take a village yeah. to effectively conduct these types of, of research studies. But um, so, what we were really seeking to do was what what are some of those holistic costs? to delivering IV care. And we specifically looked at IV push products and we specifically looked at, at three IV push products, morphine, hydromorphone, and fentanyl because they are high risk, they're opioids, they're subject to diversion, there are lots of compliance risks associated with them. And, and that's what really made me select those three. And what we're looking at specifically is what's their waste and what are the costs that go into delivering that care? We know in healthcare anecdotally that we waste a lot of stuff because anytime you aren't delivering something and you have to go to the automated dispensing cabinet and waste it, you're throwing away drug, you're throwing away product. And so we always knew that there was waste occurring in our health systems, but there hadn't been a really good quantification of the amount of waste in our, our product waste, our pharmaceutical product waste that we had. There had been some models done in emergency room settings and OR settings, but nothing that's actually been witnessed by a human being. And using that time motion observation-based study method is really important. It is a gold standard and we wanted to employ that for this particular reason. In addition to the product or pharmaceutical waste, we also wanted to get at what was called or what we deemed the workforce time waste or workforce waste. Any time that we have to go and for compliance reasons, waste a controlled substance and have that be witnessed we, we are not only having the person wasting it kind of waste their time, but also bringing over another individual, typically a nurse, perhaps witnessing another nurse. We're wasting that nurse's time to observe. That's taken away from direct patient care activity. This was all done pre-pandemic. 
And so imagine now post or current or wherever we are in the pandemic, where we have an incredibly valuable healthcare workforce that's in, incredibly strapped for time. And that is, is, is being paid a lot, particularly travelers and overtime. You know, are we really making and using those individuals in the best possible way if we're just having them witness and document and comply with all these different waste regulations? So we wanted to get a handle on, okay, how much product are we throwing away? But how much valuable workforce time are we also, you know, throwing away when we're not optimizing product and practice? Those were the two real main aims out of this work uh, is to get at the product waste as well as the workforce time waste. We collected a few other secondary objectives, Terry, including how often the during the waste process they were distracted or interrupted. I mean, there were some, what, what was the average time to document waste? And so we kind of got these other secondary uh, or tertiary markers, but the primary objective was quantifying the waste. Did you capture any data on who actually witnesses the waste? <laughs> We, we did. And we know whose signature is on it. We don't necessarily know what whose eyeballs the witness went. I mean, we did have some, we did have direct observation. And so we did employ a, a time motion, direct observation workflow study to capture the amount of workforce time. We had old school stopwatches, you know, when they started doing it, when they stopped doing it, and then quantified that at the costs using Bureau of Labor statistic data. So we, we did see some stuff. But, you know, you always miss a few things. And some of it was just, you know, shouting across the room. And, you know, there's all these different variations of practice, which we know and we did we did witness. And there are some, some, some safety concerns. I think we had a 31, in total, we had 669 observations. So we had 669 over just 15 days. Remember, these are three drugs, right? Over 15 days across four units at two different hospitals. What that really equates to is 80 beds. So we watched about 80 beds over 15 days. We had 669 observations. Um, 31 of those, the wastes were documented over eight hours after administration, eight hours. And so from a compliance or diversion risk, that's a that's a real red flag. That could have just been a, a I forgot it, but it also could have been, oh, I, you know, I stuffed something in my, my lab coat or in my scrubs and I went home with it. I mean, you don't know because of that really long delay in documentation, which certainly needs to get flagged as an opportunity for improvement. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm happy to go into some of the other results in more detail too, Terry. Yeah, yeah, tell us what you find in terms of those costs and, and time and... Absolutely, well, again, you know, and I, I can speak for, we, this was a major health system. They had decent volume. Um, some hospitals do more volume in morphine, hydromorphone, and fentanyl than these hospitals. Some do less, so it is going to be volume contingent. Sure. Um, but over 15 days, uh, with, with 80 beds being observed, um, we saw over 200 milligrams of morphine or uh, hydromorphone, hydromorphone thrown away, and just shy of 18,000 micrograms of fentanyl thrown away. 18,000 micrograms. So if you think just in volume of drug, that's that's drug that was discarded or, you know, hopefully not. That's floating around an organization from a diversion standpoint. That's stuff that right. patients didn't use that end up wherever. And, and to me, that's a major compliance issue. And it does take a lot of time. I mean, if you translate both in, in the time, uh, it was 14 hours of nursing time over just wow. 15 days. 14 wow. hours of nursing time taken just to comply with waste. And that was a conservative estimate because we only tracked 
the time it took the nurse to uh, waste and then the time it took another nurse to go to document or witness that waste. We didn't track the time leaving that automated dispensing cabinet. So it was all documented at the automated dispensing cabinet, but we only captured a one-way trip. We didn't capture a round trip because we didn't want to say, well, you know, maybe that nurse then, because she was already in the room where the automated dispensing cabinet was, maybe she now took that opportunity to do something else related to patient care. So we didn't want to get into the minutia of trying to parse that out. And so we did a conservative one-way approach, but chances are they were pulled away from doing something else and then had to go back to continue doing it. But again, that estimate of 14 hours is one way only. That's a lot of nursing time that in is. 15 days. Yeah, and even the, I mean, trying to find somebody. Did you right. even capture, yeah, that the, hey, can you, no, hey, can you, you know. You, you got it, and that contributed to yeah. distractions. I think we had right. like 80, 80 plus something distractions because of that need to comply, which is yeah. patient safety, workflow, whatever issue. Um, so a lot of time taken to do it. If you look at if you look at the drug waste calculation and you and you compare that to the workforce time or add the workforce time waste, like I said, 14 hours used Bureau of Labor mm -hmm. Statistics data for the average nursing salary across the country. This was pre-pandemic, so that's going to be way up now. But but if we use that. We found that using the yearly extrapolation, just three drugs, remember hydro or hydromorphone, morphine, fentanyl, 80 beds only, just those three, 80 beds, if you can extrapolate it to a year, it's over $35,000 in waste. Oh. $35,000 in waste, just three drugs, 80, 80 beds. Um, if you look at a per drug cost, it was about $2.40 a drug that you're throwing away. So basically every time you crack open that morphine, anytime you crack open that fentanyl, you're throwing away $2.40 per dose. Wow. In, a, in a workforce, in a, in a healthcare environment where we're really trying to be good stewards of our resources, clearly our, our research and the evidence that came out of it support the need for us to do a much better job being good stewards of those resources. Yeah. Do you have a feel for um, the were they not using doses as small as they could have? Like, did they not have the hydromorphone 0 0.5? The fentanyl now comes in 50, which, right. you know, when I was at the bedside, it was only 100. So I don't know where that timing was. Were they just choosing not to buy get those or did they not come from the wholesaler and therefore were more expensive to get from a centralized pharmacy area? Right. Well, as, as you can imagine, it was a mix of both. And your fentanyl one's a really good example, Terry. In, in fentanyl, as I suggested, just in our study, we saw you know nearly 18,000 micrograms of fentanyl down the drain. They, they, at that time, did not have 50s available. Okay. okay? So if you look at um, what was available was a, a 52 ml vial, so 100 micrograms in a vial or in a, in a dosage form. And 50% uh, of the time, because we tracked all this, about 49.8% of the time, they only used 50. And so they were throwing away 50 micrograms. Right, right. So just that switch or just the, the, the switch to carrying 50 micrograms would have, would have eliminated 50% of that. the waste of fentanyl. Yeah. You know, now yeah. it's only down to what, 9,000 micrograms. Right, right, right. right. Well, um, and of course they could have been getting that 50 from a 503B type of a thing, but more expensive. So it's like, you nope. Got it. And there's a little bit of a reticence still to use some 503 
uh, facilities yeah. based on shortage or sterility right. issues or whatever. Right. But um, yeah, yeah. And, and so it is a mix. I, I think one of the key takeaways that you're alluding to, Terry, is that you, we really need to be matching the product with practice as much as we yeah. can. Yeah. But that there are a lot of things working against us. You know, one is maybe the manufacturer doesn't carry it, or maybe we can't get it or from a 503B facility, or we don't have the ability to outsource. Maybe it's on shortage, right? Yes. <laughs> shortages yeah. continue to be a major issue. But, you know, you see order sets that are created um, knowing that you could source that product, but that product is never even sourced. And the, they just go for the cheapest thing on the, on the register right. rather than thinking through do I want to match product with practice because I'm going to save holistically a lot more money than the incremental couple cents more that is on the register. Right. 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 Yeah. What, what would you say to directors of pharmacy that, okay, they see the research, they see the cost, but their bottom line is the product that they order. They, they're not going to, you know, see the savings on the nursing time and the, that's not their department. Yeah, well, in, and I, these are uh, conversations I have frequently with our, our DOPs and chief pharmacy officer colleagues who say just that. And that, I think, um, it, it does require a little bit of a change in mentality that, look, yeah, it's my department, it's my budget, you know, that's what they're looking at. But I think putting some pressure on our executive level leaders within our health systems who, who are looking at any way to save some money right now and thinking cross-functionally is a more contemporary way to lead our pharmacy enterprise is that yes it's our budget but it impacts everybody and if right. i can work with our nursing leaders and, and and communicate effectively look it's going to make nurses happy it's less manipulation they don't want to be doing that stuff right and mm -hmm. if i can get a win for them if i can save the health system holistically some money you know maybe that's worth a little bit of a bump in, in the budget as long as my c-suite executives and, and uh, my counterparts understand what it means to the the system what I would encourage people to do in order to engage in that dialogue, Terry, is, you know, use some of the method that we've done in our research. You don't have to reinvent the wheel, you know, copy what we did and get tested on some medications at your own facility. You know, don't just take my word for it. Use our approach and validate it at your own facility and see how much you could be saving. I mean, doing that is really helpful if you're going to engage in your uh, with your C-suite or your other leaders on on going down this road with this project to say, look, you know, there's evidence out there that's peer reviewed that says this is what happens. We tested the approach at our own facility. Yeah, we're wasting this. You know, if we made XYZ change, we would save a considerable amount of money. Yeah, well, and just employee satisfaction. I mean, you mentioned nurses don't want to be doing this. You know, I remember very, very clearly at a hospital that I was at regularly, the ED nurses in particular would be like, Terry, why don't we have hydromorphone in 0.5? Well, it didn't come that way at the time, right? It was just one milligram. And, and it's like, oh, I'm always going to the you know machine to waste. When it did finally come out and I, hey guys, good news, we have the, I was literally their best friend. It was yeah. like I had manufactured it for them. They were so, so excited. Um, and you're right, they don't want to be doing it and to know that every time they pull it out, they're going to have to, you know, find that witness and be disrupted and go, 
witness the waste, it's, it's a problem. And then did you take any factors into consideration in terms of monitoring for diversion? I mean, the resources that you put into the person who has to reconcile or should be reconciling all of that. And then now we've got some missing waste or, oh, there's a lot of waste. Is that a practice? Is that justified? Is that diversion? I mean, there's resources there too. There, there are, and, and we didn't capture all those. It wasn't part of the method, but we did mention it in the discussion because you're right. We, we didn't talk about uh, the investment in uh, the investigation piece or the compliance piece or the chart reviews or even the waste disposal systems that are designed to render products irretrievable and irrecoverable. You know, those come with a cost too as we're filling those right. bags and jars and bottles up. Um, and, and all those are, those are additional costs. That's why when I say, uh, what our data is it's conservative because i guarantee it's actually more costly than what we presented as part of our our research we are talking a lot about cost obviously as part of this discussion but you terry so aptly mentioned these other factors that are really important which are satisfaction you know making nurses happy is good making pharmacists happy is good taking those 14 hours over 15 days and applying that back to direct patient care is good you know, compliance with regulation is is good. Patient safety is good. Like there's all these right. really compelling arguments. I, I start with cost because it's the one that, you know, obviously piques everyone's yeah. attention first, but there are all these other intangibles that surround this issue, which make this, you know, matching product with practice, you know, the most ready to administer products, if, if at all possible is so important um, because it does not only have a really beneficial cost impact, but a holistic healthcare impact. Yes, yes. And waste is a very easy form of diversion. And so there's that piece of it to the, the health of our staff. You know, if we make it easier for them to sample, let, let me right. just try it, you know, get away with it once. Okay, now I can get away with it all the time. So there's that piece it's, um, it's huge. from a health perspective. Yeah, it's huge and it's, it's not going away. And I, right. I mentioned the numbers rather than the cost of drug, the pure volume of drug, because you're right. It's yep. floating around our organizations, right? If you have just shy of 18,000 micrograms of fentanyl just ready to be diverted, I'm not saying right. any of it was necessarily, but it, it right. presented an yep. opportunity to. And then you look at some of these trends in, in compliance in terms of charting and documenting waste. What we saw is actually we tracked and trend a 24-hour period of time. On, on when and, and how quickly everything was charted. And you have, you know, it looks like this, right? Cause it's up and down, maybe 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 40 minutes. But then you have this like two big spikes, huge spikes um, and those spikes were at shift change. Uh, sure. Hmm. As you can imagine, you know, nurses are really busy. Um, and so rather than chart or document in the moment, they're stuffing their pockets, they're, you know, wherever it is, they're setting it on the, the automated dispensing cabinet. And if shift change, they're going through and they're reconciling and charting all their stuff. Well, we all know it happens, but from a diversion best practice standpoint, that's concerning. That's, that's the perfect time. It is the perfect time. And, <laughs> and you know, if you haven't, if you feel like you don't have diversion, it means you haven't looked for it, right? I mean, that's like the common thing in this line of business is everyone knows it exists, but you gotta go look for it and you have to have systems and practices and processes built in that allow you to quickly identify it and rectify it. Well, seeing those two blips to me is something where if I'm a leader in that, that organization, I'm gonna go take a real hard look at what's going on in terms of our, our waste documentation and charting practice. 
Yeah, for sure. And I interviewed a, a nurse who's recovered from substance abuse that she said at one point she realized, wow, we waste a lot of drug. Hmm. You know, and that was the, you know, I mean, maybe she would have found another way or done something different, but it finally, it occurred to her that that's yeah, just trash. I mean, we're just going to throw it out and there's a lot. So that's what, you know, she first exposed herself to in terms of the ways. There is a lot and, and a lot of people aren't looking yeah. for either or are looking in the wrong places. And, yeah. and I mentioned the OR and procedural areas. That's one of our, our next steps in terms of research. We quantify mm -hmm. these and um, more general medicine and, and uh, step down and critical yeah. care. We're going to the ORs and procedural areas next, like the proverbial pharmacy black hole, because right. we know that that's a whole different beast right. when it comes to documentation and compliance and the volume is high, right? Yeah. I mean, in those areas, the volume is really high. And so it's, I think we're going to see similar outcomes, but potentially on an exponential level. Yeah. Well, in the OR, sometimes they just use it all up so they don't have to waste. You know what? It's funny you mentioned that, Gary, because that's going to be one of our outcomes is, is okay. when you don't match product with practice. You know, if you have a, a four milligram presentation and you only need three for a patient rather than take through all the time, just push it. And if we need to intervene, we have the you know mechanisms to do that. Already. So we're designing that's, a right. study that's going to look at what are the after effects. So length of stay, post-operative nausea and vomiting, you know, in interventions, both medical as well as supportive. You know, are those greater when the order called for one thing and you gave a little extra? So that's right. You're right. You're, you're right. absolutely on to right. where we're going next with it. Interesting. Right. Okay. Well, that'll be interesting. Have you had any of your affiliate hospitals or any other hospitals that you've heard of that have made changes after reading the, the results? They, they have. Yeah, I've had a number. I, I mentioned um, earlier, I work with a few different hospitals and I've had conversations with DOPs and chief pharmacy officers and, and they are starting to do this. We are hearing of these changes. Having presentations like the 50 microgram fentanyl is a great yeah. example of people saying, look, we were throwing away half of this. We're so glad this exists. Yeah. And so, yes, I do. I do see some of those changes. They're up against it, you know, when it comes to product availability. Uh, yeah. Drug shortages, restricted access is is still an issue, and so that's an opportunity for our industry partners to continue to focus on inventory, mm -hmm. on making sure that we have consistent production processes, making sure that lines don't go down, and that we have flexible lines in terms of of manufacturing and, and upscaling. And so I know our industry partners are on it. Um, I know everyone's trying to do the best they can, but clearly there's an opportunity for us to continue to, to do better when it comes to drug shortages and availability. Right. Wonderful. All right. Well, this is great information. I'm looking forward to seeing the results of your, of your next study as well. And thank you for, I, yeah, it takes time. And like you said, it takes a team uh, to do things like this, but I think it's very valuable. I mean, we, we know as pharmacists there's a lot of waste and obviously that's costing more but without really going through and taking the time to do the study really looking at the numbers and really analyzing one we don't know where the difference is right in terms of ah, a little bit more up front but we're wasting you know what is the break even but then we certainly don't even think about quantifying all of those other things either. So this is great, great data. Thanks for, for doing, thanks to you and your team for doing that. Th thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. And you're right, you know, when I discussed this with my colleagues, they're like, we knew there was a lot of waste, you know, it's yeah. not rocket science, but thank you for, for actually 
quantifying some of it and putting a method together that can be replicated because that that would be the greatest you know uh, benefit from from my standpoint and that would make me happiest if people take what we've done and go sure. do it at their own facility and start quantifying their own waste and then adopting practices to limit that because we do need to be uh, we do need to be better when it comes to stewarding our resources and working cross-functionally, it's not just about pharmacy, right? It's about right. the entire health system and how are we working together to not only support our colleagues when it comes to diversion, but provide the, the best, safest, and most effective care. Yep, you're right. We're, we are all integrated and we forget that sometimes, but right. one process affects the next process and makes a big difference. Yeah. Well, thank you very much, John, for your time. Good work and uh, keep it up. Oh, thank you, Terry.